0: Good afternoon, traders. Thanks for joining me today on this uh, public event about building an edge in a new product. I want to remind you that derivatives trading is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. Just a quick mic check and also to make sure that you're still awake after all of uh, this afternoon's action in the FOMC. Uh, Let me know if I'm coming across too loud, too quiet. so let's dive right in. What are we going to talk about today? So today's objectives are these: we really want to talk about not getting, um, not putting the blinders on and being stuck in one product. And and if so, um, how do we transition into either adding or replacing our current product? Uh, that's the bottom line. So today's objectives are when do we need to move to talk about, when do we need to move on or add more products to trade? What product uh, type are we considering? What underlies it? Understanding the key portions of the contract specs that impact the product, developing a feel for movement and tendencies during its prime hours, putting the pieces together, and then let's talk about new products you may not have heard of that are coming to the market, especially for the online trading platform uh, a trading population so let's dive in let's dive right in with uh, when do we need to move on or add more products to trade first let's talk about when do we need to move on to other products mainly we move on to other products in other words we abandon a product that has worked for us or maybe has not worked for us when a market regime change causes um uh, market regimes support certain time frame and approaches. In other words, each market regime is beneficial to different time frames. So a, a certain a, there's a period of time when the market regime is beneficial to scalpers. Then it's beneficial to um, swing traders. Then it's beneficial to long-term investors. Uh, and this can change all the time. Imagine being a bear in the current market. Since 2009, uh, pretty rough going. You get some bleeps of, um, of um, uh, corrections here and there, but overall, uh, it just goes higher and higher and higher. Uh, this may lead us to have to change to a different product that we can read a little bit better. Trading our market has become very difficult. Um, as, as volatility gets sapped out of the market, for example, it may become very difficult to extract profits from the product we have studied and cherished and are used to. Uh, we need to keep our head on the, on a swivel, and we need to make sure that we're consistently checking around to see what other products are uh, providing in terms of opportunities. Specifically, our market is failing to provide enough opportunities. So as volatility drops, as a day trader, you know, volatility is a good thing for long-term investing. You don't want your portfolio to have a lot of volatility. You want it to just have minor pullbacks and just continue higher and higher and higher like we're seeing. Uh, but for a day trader, you need you need a certain amount of volatility, nothing too great. Uh, but if the volatility is falling in our product, then we may need to look at other products. And those include other sectors and things like that. The other reason we may move on to other products, in other words, abandon what we're doing uh, today for and and and, uh, and starting to include another product is our capitalization has changed enough that we need to trade something else. Mainly one due to the fact that we've become too big for our product. For example, uh, we're doing so well that we're not able to execute any bigger and say in a thin product. Let's look. Let's talk about, for example, Arbob or lumber or or. Even something like the Russell or the NASDAQ, it's too, it's too thin for our size. Uh, Then we need to start looking at more liquid products. The more common problem is our account size is too small for the product, meaning it's going to be hard for me to trade the S&P minis uh, with a thousand dollar account, right? And, and, and have reasonable Risk per trade. So I need to go and, and trade something else. Luckily, uh, we do have the micros that mimic the minis, but in many cases, we do not. You know, if you're someone who normally trades natu- natural gas, you don't have that, um, or crude, or whatever. So uh, these are some of the reasons we need to move um, to other products what are the reasons we may want to add more products? Uh, We have a plan that works. We need to keep growing. We need more opportunities in a product that is complementary to our uh, plan. For example, um, maybe I get five setups a day in the ES, but uh, I have a lot of capacity. My account size is such that I can make more money by finding two to three more opportunities in um, something else, in another product, to call it uh, the Dow or the NASDAQ or or something that's complementary to that plan. Uh, Ultimately, that's where we want to go. As a big trader, there's a point where we don't want to put on bigger size. We want to take more trades. So initially, we want to add size, add size, add size, with consistency. We want to keep everything the same, and add more sizes. Our account uh, can can uh, can sustain it. But it is better to um, to add more products and have more opportunities, creating diversification, reducing the beta in our uh, in our equity curve, and so on. We need to diversify to markets where flow is available while our main product is quiet, right? So I've often had to move to the NASDAQ from the S&P during low volatility or during the summer, or maybe look at crude or something like that uh, as as opportunities in the S&P seem to have dried up. What product type are we considering? What underlies these uh, important factors to have? So products and futures come in many flavors, there are many market sectors. So you have indices, grains, softs, meats, uh, energies, treasuries. Uh, you have uh stirs. You have a lot of different uh, varieties of products. So we wanna examine what sorts of products we want to participate in. And we have to consider what is underlying them. What underlies, does anybody Does anybody not understand when I say what underlies a future product? Does anybody not understand that? Let's get some interactivity going here. No. A futures contract is a derivative of something. That's why they're called derivatives. It's... uh, generally based on some other cash instrument. Cash instruments are things like stocks. Uh, They're also called equities. So the S&P mini uh, futures contract is built on the SPX, which is the S&P 500 index, which is controlled or represented by, which represents 500 of the key or large cap stocks uh, in the US market. Uh, Those that trade both on the NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange and others. Um, And so those are the cash products. That's what's underlying the S&P. What's underlying the S&P is the S&P 500 cash index and the cash index is made up. You can't trade the cash index directly uh, You can trade the stocks directly, but that's not what we're trying to do. We don't want to put up um, enough money to buy a share of every stock. And even if we did, our portfolio won't represent the S&P 500 because of the various weightings. So the underlying product is the 500 S&P stocks, which make up the index. And then the future represents... Is built on what the S and P 500 cash index is built on. That's what's underlying it. A crude contract, on the other hand, a crude contract, uh, its underlying is physical, and physical underlying products have uh, behave a little bit differently. I talk about this a little bit down the list here. So, we need to know what underlying what underlies this. For example, the Russell. What underlies the Russell? You should know if you're trading the RTY or the M2K, you should know what underlies it. It often moves in the opposite direction uh, of the NQ and the S&P. Why? What's important? Um, The Russell gets rebalanced more often than the other indices because it has 2,000 small cap stocks. And those 2,000 small cap stocks can very, very quickly either fall off, they become too small to fit into the small cap required by the Russell 2000 because others have grown enough, or they've become too big and don't belong in the Russell 2000 anymore. Uh, So having an understanding of that is very important. Different underlying components. Some Futures contracts have small caps, some have large caps, some are European-based, some are Asian-based or whatever. There are different active hours when we're considering a product. We know that uh, the most active period for trading, for example, the German DAX would be 3 a.m. Eastern U.S. time till about 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time because that's when their cash market is operating. That's when the big trade desks are operating. That's when a lot of the news events occur. So if we choose a product that is outside of the normal working hours that we can sustain, then we're not choosing a product um, very intelligently, right? Very carefully. There are financially settled versus physically settled products. Most products that we trade are financially settled. That means that if you hold an S&P contract through Friday, this Friday is expiration on the June contract. So if you're still holding a June contract and you hold it through 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on Friday, by the end of the day, uh, the settlement price would be determined and you would either get debited or get credited the amount into your account plus your FCM will charge you a bunch of fees for settling the product but it's financially settled you don't have to take uh, you don't have to go out and buy uh the 500 stocks that are underlying the it in various weightings however if you hold a crude contract and your broker and clearing firm don't get you out of it before it expires, then you maybe um, may need to make some space in your house because you're probably going to be delivered about a thousand barrels of crude for holding that contract. I've never heard of that happening. Generally, uh, the clearing firm will find a way to settle um, settle the product, but. Uh, physical products behave differently. So remember what happened in April 2020 uh, last year when crude went negative, it was a negative $42 per barrel, negative. And it's a physically delivered product. In other words, crude was so abundant that they were willing to pay you $42 a contract to take the crude to take the crude, a thousand barrels of crude per contract um, off their hands. Uh, and so this creates a different, kind of, uh, a different kind of movement. It's impacted by different things. There's also a fundamental versus a technical product. Fundamental products are macro-based products. These are things like currencies, interest rates, gold, um, most energy products are fundamental products. They, they are key to the economy. Most metals, copper, silver, platinum, palladium, these are fundamental products, generally physically settled. Uh, the treasuries are not, but to, uh, the others are physically settled, you know, lumber uh, and so on. These products are Uh, kind of are an input, are generally an input into the economy, and they have a macro consequence to their price movement, which means that they move based on what is happening on a macro level, on a global level, supply-demand curves and all that stuff, all that fun stuff that we covered in our economics class, first year of university or whatever. Um, Whereas, the indices are more technical in nature they're built on us various stocks and and there isn't one stock that's going to wag the index the index around unless of course it, it moves in a dramatic way like when tesla rips higher or something lifting the nasdaq which then lifts the s&p so understanding whether the product is fundamental versus technical is also important so these are many considerations this is why we want to cover this topic because there are products coming on the market that i'll discuss later and we want to have a consideration of, of what those are so the next important thing uh in to to, to put together and in the information to answer those questions in a prior uh display in front of you about what the product is, we need to look at the contract specs. So if you've never looked at contract specs, you really need to look at the contract specs because you need to understand one, what is the symbol? How do, you, how do you see this product? What is the symbol? What is the size of the contract you're trading? 5,000 bushels of corn per contract or wheat, um, 1,000 barrels of oil uh, and so on and so forth. And what are the trading hours for this product? Uh, what are the exchange trading hours? And when are when is the uh, the underlying most active? Another important uh, consideration. What is the minimum tick value of the product? When does it expire? Right? How, uh, does it expire on the third Friday of the month? Does it expire on the second Tuesday? We don't want to hold a contract that is expiring. We want to exit and go into the next contract. Why? Because at some point right before expiration, there will be no liquidity left because everybody that trades that product has already moved. So if you're holding a position in say natural gas and it's expiring tomorrow, you may have a heck of a time getting out of that contract uh, at that point. So... Uh, we need to know when does it expire exactly, when do we roll, uh, when's the last trading day, and so on. Uh, how many listed contracts are there? Does it, does it have a lot, you know, does it go month to month to month like, say, crude oil does, or is it traded on a quarterly basis, or does it have um, a varying mo- uh, expiration months just like a lot of the grains do? have various varying expiration months because you know we have a a planting season and a harvesting season and so on and so forth and, and they're represented in the futures contract. What type of settlement is it? Is it physical? Is it financial? Very important. What are the price limits? Every product has price limits. A product can go limit up or limit down and the auction is interrupted. The market is closed, and you may be stuck in a position. We need to know, we need to have an idea of what that is. And of course, margins. We need to understand how big a product are we trading so we can manage uh our account size and how much money we need to maintain in our account to be able to trade it. Is everybody following along well at this point? So it's not as simple as saying, hey, I'm gonna go dabble in the new. XYZ contract. There's as a as someone who's looking to trade trade sustainably, and I know this stuff isn't all that exciting, but in order to trade sustainably, we have to approach everything we do as a professional. So developing a feel for movement and tendencies during its prime hours is is another important factor. So so far we've talked about why we'd want to move or add the kind of products there are in the futures market, everybody understands stocks, um, what we need to know about the product and understand about the product. And now what do we need to understand about the movement and the habits and tendencies of the product during its prime trading hours, right? So each product has a personality or a tendency. It's kind of like picking a new pet, right? Um, you know unfortunately your uh your uh, your uh dog of 13 or 15 years rex is uh ha- has has had to be euthanized and they're gone and now you're considering what your next puppy is going to be it's kind of like that different puppies have different personalities and need different uh have different space requirements, care requirements, and so on. Silly analogy, but it's kind of like that. Every futures product has a very unique personality. You, you don't wanna just jump in and act like they're all the same. Uh, and so we need to understand how these products respond differently to different events. Does this product even care? about the 8.30 a.m. Eastern numbers? Does it care about FOMC? Does it respond to the crop report? Does it respond to the um, inventory releases uh, on Wednesday at at, uh, 10.30 Eastern? How does it behave on the open? What time is the open? How does it behave on the close? How does it behave uh, against the FOMC, against the ECB, against the Bank of England announcement? You know what I mean? all of these things um, are a factor of understanding what the product does. So one of the things we want to do, and and if we had a few hours, I would sit here and show you step-by-step how you can extract information from the market to start to create an edge and to understand the tendencies in terms of statistics. So it's necessary to quantify the history, the historical tendencies of a product in terms of statistics. So, the first thing I'm going to do here is I'm going to show you what some of those statistics looks like. This is uh, look like this is the market stats report uh, provided to, uh, provided to um, members of convergent one second, trying to find it. Here it is. This is the market stat report, which is updated monthly, um, that's provided to convergent members for various products. In this case, I pulled the one for crude oil. Uh, This report runs from June 4th of uh, this year uh, and goes back three full years. So there are 732 sample days, sample size is okay. Uh, the RTH session is defined as 8.30 to 1.30 central time, Chicago time. Therefore, the initial balance is defined as 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. central time. The statistics zone include holidays. The minimum fluctuation is X. The tick value is Y. The initial margin is this and that. How is it deliverable or how is it settled and how often it expires? So those are the contract specs that we talked about. Now let's get into the nuts and bolts of this thing and understand harmonic rotations. Now I've done a lot and there are videos online talking about harmonic rotations and how important they are. But if you look at the rotational characteristics of crude oil and you look at what it's saying down here, what is this based on right here? It's basically saying on one minute rotations, looking at 628 samples, Over 20 trading sessions, so this is a 20-day look-back period, using a bin size of one cent, which is the minimum fluctuation, the most common value of rotations is 11 cents. So when crude is going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and sideways, it generally flux, it more, more often than not fluctuates in 11 cent increments. It's 11 ticks. And the first standard deviation or what we would consider to be normal for an up rotation would be up till 20 cents, 20 cents, right? So anything above 21 cents is considered outside of what's normal. How do we define normal? Normal is one standard deviation from the mode and it represents 68.2% or that, again, that's one standard deviation. So this is statistics, this is classic statistics. The distribution is not a normal distribution, so we can't take the average. We can't say, oh, well, looking at all of this information, the average rotation is some amount. We don't care about the average, because as you can see here, the distribution of data, it is is—is not, Um, is not Gaussian or normal so you could see it rises and it goes flat to the right whereas a Gaussian distribution would very nicely be fat in the middle and then we could take the average and take the first standard deviation it would be fine Um, most in my experience most products in the market do not follow anything that we would consider to be a normal distribution. So what do we get from this report? We get that on a one minute rotational basis, crude ebbs and flows in about a 20 cent range, 20 cents. So up or down, it's about 20 cents. Anything up to about 33, 35 cents, depending on whether it's up or down. So let's average that and call it 34 cents. So if we get a rotation that is 35 cents or bigger, we would call that an impulse or a very unusual behavior. This triggers, for me, this gets my attention and it triggers a potential trade setup. In other words, the, the in that situation when we have a one minute rotation of 35 cents or better, um, it's acting unusually. So that's what this impulse, uh, impulse information is. Okay. We know that a neutral day, it's uh, it's neutral 30% of the time. And I'm not going to go through all these details, but there's a lot of information. And this is the kind of homework you need to do not to this level of detail, but some detail. Uh, this is the kind of homework you need to do to understand. How it generally behaves, we want to see things like very, very low statistics, the orange or red statistics, and the very blue statistics. These tell us there's a there's a slight edge here, for example, if crude opens below the prior day's low okay the prior day's low, then it is very unlikely to close the prior sessions um uh, move into the, uh, close the prior sessions gap. Okay. So CL over 732 sessions, there is a historical probability of 25.96%. The market will open above the high of the previous session. Oh, this is just the opening location. So how often does crude op- open below the, the prior LOD, the prior low of the day, 20% of, 20% of the time looking at opens above and does something. So if crude opens above the prior range, prior range, it has a 14% probability of touching the prior day's IB low. It has a 10% historical probability, historical probability of touching the prior day's low of day, right? So this is extremely important depending on how where the crude opens if it opens within the previous range it has a pretty decent probability of doing a lot right touching this touching that so you can see it fluctuates uh, between 45 42 and 70 percent if it opens below the previous day's range um, it has a very low probability of touching the prior day's high of day 8.84%. In other words, said differently, if we open below the crude, if crude had opened below the prior day's low, below the prior day's low, it has a 91.16% probability, historical probability of touching the prior day's high of day, right? Uh, so can we create an edge around that yes it's very possible so this goes on and on overnight versus day session initial balance so on and so forth so this is where we start to look at and excuse me one second this is where we start to look at Um, The tendencies. The tendencies are what then we convert into a trading plan. Um, We box the tendencies. We take the statistical tendencies and we put um, a risk versus target metric on it. And that becomes our setup, right? My setup is if it opens below the prior range and it does not touch the Prior day's low in the first hour, then I might, and don't quote me on this. Uh, then I won't. Then it, if it doesn't touch the prior low of day, uh, prior day's low in the first hour. Again, I'm making this up. Then there's a 76% historical probability that it will not go into the prior day's range. So that means as it pushes high, if it opens below and as it pushes higher and towards the prior day's range, as long as it doesn't touch or go into the prior day's range, I wanna be short with my stop at or just above the prior day's range, right? And I have, again, I'm not stating that this is uh, an actual statistic, it's a hypothetical, Then I know that one of my setups is if if it opens below, I'm going to look for an entry as close to the prior day's range low as possible with a stop right right at that price. And my target will be the open and my target will be some level below. Also leaning on that market statistics report. Very important stuff, right? So understanding those tendencies is, um, is a part of this. Developing a feel for movement and tendencies during its prime hours. So once we have an idea of what to expect quantitatively, we need to go and develop a feel, which most people don't talk about, right? You want to talk about how does how does it move? What is the velocity? How quickly does it move down versus up? Is it a product that generally churns? Like when I used to trade the euro, um, the euro currency, it tended to trend in a very, very churny way, like it's very chug, 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 it's tended to be trendy in its behavior. You only observe that by watching it a long time. So one of the quickest ways to do that is to have market replays. I cannot overemphasize how important it is to do replays. If you're someone who's struggling with trading and you are not doing market replays, then you're not doing your homework. You're not doing the work. And replays could be automatic. You know, you go back to a certain period to the beginning of the day and you play it back uh, at four times speed or two times speed or 16 times speed. And you watch how it behaves Uh, or could be bar by bar replays, which was my preference. You click and you see what every single bar. Doing that is, if you walk away with anything during this conversation, it is that you should do this. Bar by bar, replays, automatic replays, preferences bar by bar. Uh, If you're having a bad day, stop trading. Don't hit your limit. Don't move your stops. Don't stake more on a trade. Instead, turn on your replay engine, whatever your platform is. And go and start replaying the day. This is the most valuable way to spend your time. Watch live at the open and close. See how it behaves at the open. That's when the most action is and most products. And at the close, again, that's the second most, um, the second busiest period of the day. And then watch during uh, our key trading uh, periods. That is, uh, watch the open close, market events, things like that. How much is enough? This is always an important question. It You need to do this enough to develop a high level of emotional capital, a high level of confidence. You've seen it so much, you see it in your sleep type of thing. Yes, it's a performance activity here, and if you're not willing to do the work, it's gonna be very, very difficult to get the results. Putting the pieces together, we're almost there. With all of the research behind us and probably ongoing, we, we're constantly researching, updating. We need to start writing out our plan to trade the new product. A simple trading plan outline's provided at go to ct.pro forward slash micros plan. We released this in April, 2019, a few weeks before the micros came out on CME. And this is basically a sample plan for f- with questions, about what you need to look at in order to uh, create a reasonable plan for you to work with. Here's what it looks like. It's a sample plan. I'm gonna do X, Y, Z. This is the product I'm going to trade. Here's what I plan to do uh, when I start. Here's how I'm logging and so on and so forth. And you can get this by going to, again, Going to go to ct.pro forward slash micros plan. Actually, Lendow, it would be great if you can just uh, push that into the chat box for the entire audience uh, using the chat box on GoToWebinar uh, so they have access to it. Uh, use the t- statistical report, whatever statistics you've done to determine your stop size and reasonable targets. As I said, uh, we, we try to determine so- stop size through statistics as you saw with the um, with crude uh, 11 ticks is considered common and uh, what was it for it's been a while 20 ticks 20 ticks so you almost if you're trading off of a one-minute chart you almost need for structured setups, you need 20 ticks. If you need 20 ticks for a stop, if you need 20 ticks for a stop, then um, then what size does your target have to be? Your ultimate target has to have to be. It has. It had better be better than 20 ticks on average to get better than a one-hour return. On your on your uh, on your size. So this helps us determine stop size and reasonable targets. Use the replays and live viewing to get an idea of when we should expect the best opportunities within the time our time frame. Opportunities are continuous in the market, but the quality of opportunities fluctuates. The best opportunities in general are at the open and within two hours of the open. Doesn't matter what the product is generally, and within the last hour of trading, active trading. We must put together a clear process for identifying errors, reviewing execution, adjusting goals and objectives. Our goal is, is our focus is on taking as many trades as possible <clears throat> at the lowest reasonable risks, so that we can exploit our edge. So if you're here and you've got you're selectively trading, you're trading based on feel. This is not a sustainable way to trade. You need to define. What you need to see in order to trade and you need to, and and the goal is to take as little risk as possible, but not too little, right? I don't want to trade crude with a five tick stop knowing that the most common rotation is 11 ticks and everything up to 20 ticks is normal. Five ticks is not going to cut it. I'm just going to simply stop out all the time. Or if you're a trader who gets in a trade and as soon as it's moving in your direction, you immediately move your stop to break even but that stop remains within a rotation, then this isn't a good plan either. So the goal is to, to size things in a way that allows us to trade as much as possible, as, much as, as many times as possible at the lowest risk possible. So this is the last part. We'll talk about new products. That are const- I'm constantly working with the exchanges. I started working with the exchanges in 2012 about the micros. They were released in 2018, 20 May of 2019. Uh, when they released uh the micro indices in May 2019, I immediately started pushing for micro crude. Uh micro crude was pretty much done uh by December of 2019, and then um Uh, And then the CME decided to put a pause on it. And then, of course, in April 2020, uh, we had negative crude and the exchange just uh, got terrified or something and decided not to move ahead with the micro crude. Uh, But I'm constantly pushing after the micro crude. I wanted micro treasuries uh, and that's on the way. So we're constantly pushing the exchanges to produce uh, to produce new. Products, especially for the online trader, because that has been my focus since late 2008, is on the individual uh, trader looking to trade futures. Try, you know, doing the best they can to make a career out of trading futures, which I think are the better product, although they're not reasonable for all investors. But they're the better product to trade. Here are some of the recently released or Upcoming products uh, from the CME group. So the CME group, uh, they release the micro Bitcoin futures. But you know, uh, you you already know about this, I'm sure. Uh, The contract size is uh, one tenth of a Bitcoin. It has a fifty cent tick value, uh, but it trades for a staggering two dollars and fifty cents a side. So it's it's a fifty cent value trading at $2.50 a side. That's just to the exchange. That doesn't pay the NFA. It doesn't pay the clearing firm. It doesn't pay the broker uh, for their effort. That was launched on May 2nd. I have not traded this product at all. Some of you have. It has received a pretty good reception. It Trades about 10, uh, I don't know, eight to 12,000 contracts a day, something like that. It's definitely much more active than the original Bitcoin contract, which was five full Bitcoins per contract. So we're talking currently uh, about a $200,000 contract if Bitcoin is a $40,000 per coin. Uh, and it's very, very thinly traded. So the micros are actually receiving a lot better reception than the BTC, the, uh, the full contract. The other product that's coming out, in case you haven't heard, on July 12th, July 12th, is the micro crude, the MCL contract. This is going to be one-tenth of the full-sized uh, CL contract. It'll be worth $1 a tick. And they're expecting to charge $0.50 a side. $0.50 a side, that's the equivalent of $5 per side or $10 per round turn. $10 per round turn for crude. That is just the exchange fee, again, July 12th. Uh, Newly announced this past week, micro treasury yield futures. So instead of trading the treasuries, you are trading the yield on the treasuries. For a direct correlation, it's expected to be one-tenth of the size of the treasury contracts. It's a $1 tick. Uh, the expectation is, again, they'll be charging $0.50 cents a side. Again, that'll be $5 per side per contract. I think treasuries for non-members are somewhere around $2 for the full size or $0.20 cents equivalent. They're charging 5 These are expected on August 16th, 2021, Okay. I want to introduce the Fair Exchange, also known as FairX. Not many people know about the Fair Exchange, but uh, we've we've met the uh, the founders, and I've been working closely with them to uh, help them launch their exchange. Uh, why am I helping an exchange launch? It's because I believe competition is extremely healthy. Um, for our industry and for traders, the FairX exchange is, uh, is launching with a Bloomberg and a super tech uh, index. The Bloomberg U.S. large cap is basically like an S&P 500, highly, highly correlated. It's a $10 contract with a $1 per contract tick value trading for five cents per side, 5 cents per side. The launch date is, has not been released yet, but it's, it's weeks away, a few weeks away. So for the micro Bloomberg, it's 5 cents per side. It's weeks away. Uh, no exchange fees for, uh, data. There's the data. Real-time data is not going to be, uh, uh, charged for it's free. Um, I'll have to, I have to, throw in here that EdgeClear will be uh, providing this product. EdgeClear is the brokerage that I launched uh, last year. Uh, we'll be uh, supporting these products uh, hopefully on day one. The other product they're launching is a Micro Super Tech Index, which is also a, do- a dollar tick and uh, five cents per side. Then they have these Nano products, which are uh, a dollar tick, but they are uh, an even smaller contract They're charging two cents per side. These products, by the way, again, for EdgeClear will be free, commission free entirely until December 31st, 2021. Uh, So uh, these are some of the things that are coming up. So what does that mean? That means that we need to do the homework again. So let's go back here and look at the Bitcoin contract contract. We need to do the homework. We need to look at the contract specs and understand what the minimum fluctuation is. Uh, we need to look. We can go look at the full contract specs, which provide us with margin requirements and, and all of that. So we can look at margins for the contract. Here are the margins for the front month and so on. Maintenance margin is fourteen fourteen hundred dollars per contract. The micro crude which is uh, coming out July 12th. Uh, Here are the contract specs for it. Again, this is expected to be a $1 per tick contract trading at 50 cents. uh, And the margins expected to be one tenth of the crude oil uh, contract. Then we have this uh, CME Group Micro Treasury Yield Futures uh, and they don't have the specs for this yet, but this is something that's uh, coming out in August. Um, And and it's uh, it's it's uh, likely to be uh, the same thing, one tenth of the treasury, the equivalent treasury. So if you're a ZN trader, uh, this ten yield, ten y uh, yield product will be one tenth of the margin uh, for fifty cents per contract. Fairx, you can go to fairx.com and learn about them. The Bloomberg product is right here. The contract specs. Are provided. It trades uh, 23 hours a day, six days a week, um, and the margin requirements and stuff are forthcoming. This is the Bloomberg product. This is uh, this is again the equivalent of the S&P 500, basically, and the SuperTech is the equivalent of the Nasdaq. Uh, It's uh, also a dollar per tick, trading 23 hours, uh, six days a week, and uh, and expires on standard quarterly. Uh, quarterly um, contracts with, uh, with quad witching. And here's their very simple, um, very simple fee structure. Market makers pay a lot of money. Non-pros pay two cents or five cents, depending on whether it's a nano or micro professionals, institutional, institutional type trades, traders, uh, pay the higher rates. Uh, it's, op- it's the opposite on the CME. The CME has the individual non pro pay non member fees, and then the pros buy memberships like I have and trade at lower prices. So that's that. I'm going to leave you with those thoughts and that information. Let me know if you have any questions. Um, I know I covered a whole lot, but there, it's very likely that by the end of the summer you will be trading a different product, and if you are, please listen to this again and do the work. Go back to understanding um, the nature of the product, what drives it, its most active hours, its historical probabilities, uh, and then create an edge and a plan, and then start playing the market again and again, bar by bar, and testing that plan, and then go live. Once you're confident, when you do, Please do so on the micro or nano products, uh, preferably on FairEx, of course, uh, to support that exchange once it's uh, launched, since it'll be free. Uh, and then build build your uh, your tool set in order to be a sustainable, long term, uh, successful trader. Do you have any questions? Do we have any questions, Landau? Yeah, we have a question about uh, what would be the recommended account size to trade the ES and maybe you can give them a recommendation for the account size for any product. The account size for any given product. um, You're not you, you may not like my answer because the account size of any given product has to be a function of the margin required for that for that product if you want to be a sustainable, uh, trader. So let's pick, let's pick a product. Let's, let's go and equity index, and we're going to go to the S and P, right? So we're going to go to the S and P minis. Here they are. What you want to do to, to, to have a sustainable, um, margin or the sustainable account and not to be, too emotionally involved and not to have a huge risk of ruin is you go to the margins and you look at what the margin requirement is for your product. So the margin requirement, the maintenance margin, we generally use initial margin, which is 10% more. So add $1,100 uh, for this to be uh, uh, whatever, $12,100. And what you want to do is you want to stick to about 50% so let's just use the maintenance margin for the ES. If if you were uh, if you were someone related to me, if my son um, wanted to trade, for example, and and asked me this question, I would say you probably need fifty five hundred dollars per contract, and that fifty five hundred dollars is really important in that. It needs to cover the margin requirement and built into that is the drawdown that is inevitable, uh, that we'll inevitably experience as a result of learning the product. So the how far would you push leverage? How low should you go? Should it be $500? I think you have to be absolutely insane to trade the S&P minis for $500. And I've said that for the last 20 years. It's one of the greatest things that uh, destroys traders to trade a product that is has a value of about what is it two hundred and ten thousand dollars and you you are putting up five hundred dollars to trade it that is not that is not sustainable the risk of ruin is incredibly high at that level the lowest I would go with the account size is twenty five percent start at fifty. You may wear the account down to 25% uh, per contract. Meaning, you want to start uh, with the idea that you're depositing $5,500 per contract to trade, and you won't deposit money until you've worn the uh, brought the contract the account equity down to 25% of that, which is 27 uh, or half of that, 2750 or 25% of the full amount. So 27.50. dollars at that point, you'll need to refund your account to trade the minis. Should you trade it for 1000 bucks? No. Should you trade it for $500? Absolutely not. This is what's reasonable. If you want to be here in the long term, this is what's reasonable. So go to any product that you want to trade. It doesn't matter what the exchange, the, this exchange has not provided uh, the margins yet. They will. But go to any product and find out what the margin requirement is. Not the day margin provided by the broker, because brokers operate differently, uh, have different motivations for giving you lower uh, margins. But go to the exchange margin, which is based on a statistical analysis of uh, movement on that product per contract, and base your decision as to how much you should deposit on that ideally you deposit a hundred percent of the margin per contract ideally if you have the money because you have you'll have drawdowns there you'll have expenses and costs fixed costs like platform fees data fees things like that okay anything else um the other questions we have are about the pdfs that you showed on the screen so the, I guess it's just worth noting that the market stats reports is available for members. Um, so you can visit convergenttrading.com to uh, take a look at that or go to, go to ct.pro forward slash micros plan if you were looking for the micros plan trade template. Yeah, there's a little trade we're doing here. For the micros plan, you just enter your first last name email and uh, input that and the system will send you a copy of this PDF plan. And uh, obviously don't just copy word for word what's there. Uh, this is a sample so you can think through all the pieces that are needed in order to uh, put a proper plan, trading plan together. Uh, so just you know, follow the link that Landau put into your chat box, and uh, you should be able to uh, request this plan. Anything else, Lando? Nope, that's all. Very cool. Thanks, everybody, for uh, coming in and listening to me. Hopefully, you've gained something today. I really hope you did. Uh, just approach everything you do professionally. It's a little more effort, but it pays off in the long run. We want you to do well. I'm I'm really investing a lot of time and effort in you doing well and, and helping keep uh, the futures industry a viable industry. Uh, And we'll keep pushing the exchanges and and all the service providers to support all of our traders, not just those who are well-funded or institutional as they have in the past. So by you being here, you're participating and helping us do that. Good luck, and I'll catch you at the next event. Thank you, Landau, for moderating. Take care.